0: Recorded
1: live
2: Welcome to Scuba Obsessed Episode 22. Scuba Discovery is still alive. This week in the news we have the nation's largest swim scuba shop opens in Nebraska. Scuba divers fear murky furniture from leaking oil. Boat, leaking diesel fuel in Pillar Point Harbor is pulled to the surface. Divers search for evidence in Playa Lake. And California tosses waiver. Family can sue Catalina scuba love for divers' death. Boy, how's that for a a nice uh, uplifting story. How are you doing today, Jim?
0: I'm doing really good, Darren. I'm I'm excited to be here and be able to talk uh, about uh, one of my passions, scuba.
2: That's great. I'm I'm here as well for talking about scuba. I guess that's good since it's called scuba obsessed. Uh, we'll have to save uh, talking about sure. crochet and needlepoint for another show. That's right. Uh, also, we have uh, uh, a story on submarines, or actually, an article uh, about a couple who are building their own personal submarine. So, I thought Mac might enjoy listening to that.
0: Yeah, he would.
2: So, boy, it's been a long time since uh, last Thursday, and uh, with a holiday weekend thrown in there, things As sure. Are. Are. <laughs> so, what we'll do is we'll get this news knocked up, knocked up. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! That that's that, that's that other show.
0: <laughs> we'll have to edit that out for the for the, for the non-rated uh, <laughs> version,
2: <laughs> so we don't get that explicit tag from iTunes. <sighs> Okay, so let's start with the last article. We'll start we'll start on the downward trend and uh work our way up. This was w- an article that I was following last week. And I kind of thought that it uh it was a little dry and it must have been before they got to this verdict or not necessarily verdict, but this interpretation of the case. And what it was is there was this father and son who had been scuba diving and uh he wasn't watching his air and you know he, was, he they did the proper thing and they buddy bro the buddy broth breathed breathed took he was buddy breathing on his uh son's uh regulator uh and they they went up to the surface but uh he had a a heart attack during the process and then later died the next day which is tragic no matter oh. what the case but the, essentially the essence of the the article is that he signed a release to rent the gear and the release basically said that you you, know, you can't sue if you die from this right and all the court up to this time it actually got thrown out based on that that release in the beginning the court said you know you signed a release you have no grounds to sue because you gave up that right by signing the agreement. And then they came back, and with good attorneys, I guess you can get anything overturned. And they went to the appellate court, and they said that the case can move forward. So now it's going to go to court. So, and it all had to do on basically grammar, punctuation, and the headline of the agreement. The Equipment Rental Agreement, Liability Release, and Assumption of Risk for Scuba Diving and Snorkeling Gear for Boat Dives or Multiple Day Rentals. And the reason why they threw out that the waiver didn't protect the dive operator was because it wasn't a multiple day rental and it wasn't a boat dive. It was a single day rental. Hmm. Ah, oh. that's a that, that's the full employment act for lawyers is to be able to get that thrown out. And and for me what I find disturbing about that so let's say all that stuff and there's you go to the show notes and you get to the get to the article on it and they've got more legalese than you know what to do with but they're forget this and and I and I guess you know we got to let the legal system run its course but what they're getting at is That they're going to let it go to trial. So this doesn't mean that these that they're guilty or going to win or anything. It's just whether it could even go to trial. So I guess I shouldn't get so worked up so early in on it. But the the suit itself is going to be crazy because you, as a certified diver, know that you're taking risks, and then to go and your especially your family after the fact and sue for. I mean, there was no failure of equipment. There was no failure in process I can see other than. If anything, the guy who died is the one who made the mistake he didn't check his uh error and make sure he had enough
0: yeah there you know and that's unfortunately in retrospect you wanna you wanna you wanna be um respectful and you know the guy paid the, the ultimate price for essentially um what appears to be an error um a human error known. More or less. Um, but what, a couple of things that they're saying here is that uh, there was a pressure gauge malfunction. There was a um, an issue with not enough air in his rental tank, and that he was given uh, too much weight for the dive. Um, you know that for a certified diver to go in with all of those problems, um, something's wrong. And um,
2: yeah. Now about the only one I could give them something on. I mean, is the gauge. I mean if the gauge was defective right. which you know, I guess gauges can be defective. You know, they get rented, they get dropped around, they could be bad. But even that I'm kind of skeptical on. So if you know so if the gauge you know, if it's one it's one thing. If you if you got a gauge and there's a thousand pounds in a tank and it's reading three thousand, maybe there's something. But you're also You know, I, I guess, I don't know that, that would be about the only thing I do. I mean, even if they gave you an empty tank, the worst you should do is be upset about the empty tank, you know, provided your gauge was working, you would know that there wasn't any air in it. Did I lose you, Jim?
0: No, actually I was, uh, chewing on some, uh, uh, crunchers, (laughs) some potato chips and, uh, man, I am hooked on these things. Yeah. Um. But no, i agree with the with the gauge and and i'd I'd be interested to hear from somebody who's had a uh, an s p g or a pressure gauge um malfunction where it aired on the side of uh high indicating that you've got too much too much uh gas remaining um, in my eyes, I would expect that if it was off, it would be off when there was no pressure applied to the gauge meaning it would read 500 when it's disconnected from the tank or, or something to that effect. I could be all wet on that. Um, but, yeah, it, you know, when something like like this comes up, there's a lot of finger-pointing, and uh, there's just going to be no winner when this is all said, no matter what.
2: Yeah, that's, that's one I'm actually going to throw out to the Twitter community and see if anybody's ever had one go bad. I mean, I guess it could go bad, but... You know, it'd yeah be, it'd be awful puzzle it seems like it would fail to, differently it would fail to where you didn't see anything so
0: yeah I, I don't know i haven't had one go bad um i may have had one that's not been as accurate or not but but again if it's um say it say it starts out at zero the way it should and uh, um it registers 3300 psi on a, a 3,000 or 2,800-pound fill, um, assuming he was running aluminum in, in a, you know, w- monitoring the gas usage, um, much like the gas gauge in your car, if it starts out at full and it's it's half of a tank after 100 miles, that gives you an idea of where you have remaining, right? So, you know, if you're, if your pressure starts out at X, and then it's at half of that before you think it should, um, it's time to start taking uh, corrective action in my eye. I mean, I, I don't know. I yeah. don't know what kind of malfunction they're, they're insinuating occurred.
2: Yeah, and maybe we just haven't been around enough to see what can go bad this way. But, uh, yeah, know, a, a tragedy, but let's, let's hope that everything works out in the end as well as it can. The next article is... Uh, we'll jump up to the beginning here, so you can so you can keep up with me. Is the oh goodness, now what did I do? Okay, here we are. Is uh, nation's largest swim scuba shop opens in Nebraska? Isn't that cool? It, it is cool, but it's kind of like you know, with, when somebody says it's like the Guinness World Record largest shop or something, that that'd be something I could believe you know, what makes this shop the largest? And if you're from Nebraska and you could, you know, head over there and check it out for us, send us a line. That'd be interesting. Actually, my sister's there in Lincoln. I should give her a call and have her go down and and check it out. But two Nebraska men have opened the nation's largest scuba and swim shop. And really this this article just, I mean, it's probably a modified press release. Uh, And they talk about their goal is to, uh, to train people on life-saving techniques they say the number one cause of death for children under four years old is drowning and that they want to do some steps to reverse that trend so the center is going to be used for helping to train people for that in addition to scuba diving and well, scuba diving but scuba certifications they're hoping to do four to five hundred scuba certifications a year in this facility And I think anybody who has a scuba shop would be hoping to do four to five hundred scuba certifications.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's that's pushing them through at a pretty good rate. Um, And it's it's 12,000 square feet. Um, I wonder if that's what they're calling the largest. uh, um, But I'm not. I don't know. I mean, it
2: doesn't sound super huge to me, 1,200 square feet. I mean, your average small Walmart is going to be 120,000 square feet. Now, if you said you had one of those and you put a pool in the middle, you know I think you could say that you were the largest.
1: <laughs> right.
2: uh, but you know 12,000, eh, uh, know, it, it, it'd be interesting to see what is the largest. Maybe that's what we should do, find the largest one and take mm-hmm. a tour there. Uh, they do have a 14-foot pool, so I wonder if that could be part of it. You know, if maybe the pool figures in there somehow, but, uh, you know, if they are the largest, congratulations, if not, you know, keep going anyway, we can, we can use some more good scuba shops throughout the country, especially in a landlocked area like Nebraska.
0: That's what I thought was very interesting about this. Um, Nebraska isn't what I would have thought about when, when you're talking about a world-class training facility. But you know, I guess they would be able to draw from from an entire region
2: yeah.
0: um, for people who wanna wanna work that way
2: well and and you look at how probably here we are in Lake Michigan, and three quarters of the divers in our area aren't diving in Lake Michigan, they're going down to the Florida or the tropics, so it could be very well the same thing there,
0: oh yeah, I have no doubt that there's there's a certain amount that go um. Somewhere I read that uh, Colorado has got – is it right? Colorado had per capita had the most scuba divers, and I thought that was kind of weird. But <laughs> they can be on a flight and be anywhere within you know, a, a relatively short uh, trip on an airplane, anywhere that they can dive. Yeah. So I guess for what it's worth.
2: You get to some points of the, the country, especially you know, like around Texas, you can get flights out of there to, to Mexico – you know, for the same way we would head up in the Canada. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, g- good luck to them. Uh, the next article is Local Scuba Divers Fear Mercury Future for Leaking Oil. And this is a continuation of the, the tragedy there in a the gulf with the oil leaking all over. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's you know every day it goes on, the more I get a little concerned. I'm not normally somebody who, who stresses too much because I think the planet has an amazing... Ability to heal despite what we do But I would like it to be able to heal in my lifetime as opposed to a couple hundred years from now Right, so you know, I hope it gets under control and what I find tragic is just You know, it's okay to be upset but just venting and screaming at everybody else to do something doesn't doesn't accomplish anything and and that's what i see a lot of just people going why doesn't somebody and most of the time when i hear somebody saying that i'm thinking well why don't you so if you're that concerned about it get involved there's plenty of volunteer opportunities you can go down there the the there i can't remember how many hundreds of thousands of people are being employed so far to help with this so you know if that's something that really concerns you go out there and get involved uh I'm not saying it's your fault that it happened. I think collectively we we share that for the need of oil. I mean, if you if you're going to use oil in any capacity, you have to recognize that, that oil comes from the ground. The the other thing about oil is oil is natural. You know, in this day That's and right. age where we're complaining about things that are synthesized and engineered and manufactured, this is the raw material that comes from the ground. It occurs naturally. And not in the volumes and the concentration one location that we're seeing here, but, you know, there's oil leaking out of the ground and uh, not justifying an accident, but, uh, you know, the the planet has come up with a way. Now, some of the things that happen from this oil is that this oil, as it breaks down, robs oxygen from the water, and that's going to change the the balance in those environments. It's going to take a while for them to right themselves. Plus oil is going to have an immediate impact as it gets on, you know, wildlife.
0: Yeah. And, and it's interesting that uh, this is a horrible accident. Um, and it originally, while tragic, I understand there were 11 guys, 11 people that died initially on it. And uh, what a horrible experience there. Um, I think hopefully this will bring about some changes in being able to uh, – cap these or the way that things are going. Um, I'm afraid, though, that we're going to go so far off the other way um, to penalize uh, some of these companies and, and to make this not even um, uh, a possibility anymore that, that we may upset the whole apple cart um, for the sake of uh, with this as a, as a battle cry. And it really shouldn't be that way.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it is time to get some alternate energy sources, but even the oil is always going to have a place in what can be done. So, you know, whether you're pumping it from the ground or you're synthesizing it from uh, animal or bio materials, uh, we're going to have a need for oil. Uh, local scuba divers are fearing this murky future for the leaking of oil. Uh uh, Tom Fister of Lakeland traveled to Florida Keys this last weekend to do some scuba diving. He's been a diver for more than 30 years and was pleased what he found, which is clear water and good visibility. Uh, but his concern is that those conditions may change. He and other Polk County scuba divers have been monitoring. News reports sent the explosion of the deep water Horizon oil drilling rig April 20th off the coast of Louisiana. Uh, the government officials are estimating the league the leak the leaking rig has spewed between 19 million and 35 million gallons of crude oil into the Gulf of Mexico so far making it the worst oil spill ever in American waters and the gusher might continue flowing until August local divers worry about potential of leaked oil flows southward towards Florida Keys and up to the 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 uh, it'll upset the, the state's eastern coastline
0: yeah what more can you say? I mean, hopefully they can, the engineers will be able to come and put something together and, and be able to cap this thing and, and get it under control.
2: Yeah. But as far as the impact for scuba diving, what's at risk there in Florida is $45 million industry. Uh, that may take years, if ever, to return to that level if they do get uh, to where that the oil Harms. I mean right now it's the doubt. You know, people aren't going there because of the doubt of the the conditions. You know Are you gonna right. are you gonna schedule your vacation in a place that's covered in oil? Uh when but, it's
0: when it's your when it, that is your destination and that's what you're going to do. Yeah. It's understandable. Um oh. but you know, we had we had talked before, I think, about uh you mentioned the earth is gonna be able to heal from this, it'll be able to recover. Um, things will be back, but the people who make a living and um, their livelihoods are on those coastlines and, and from the sea in that area, how long can they hold on? That's, that's the important part here. Um, it, it may be a long time.
2: Yeah, it, it certainly will. Uh, the next article is Boat Leaking Diesel Fuel. And Pillar Point Harbor is pulled to the surface. And what I liked about this article is there were scuba divers involved.
0: Right on.
2: Yeah. So, you know, we know that scuba divers can save the world. And uh, in this particular case, this is in Half Moon Bay. Uh, Must be over there in California, San Jose, uh, Silicon Valley area. And crews are scheduled to return the Pillar Point Harbor today to finish salvaging a sunken houseboat that has been leaking diesel fuel in the water. Mm. Uh, so as of 530 this last Friday, the US Coast Guard and a diving company had pulled the gypsy to surface and they're aiming to have it tied to the dock by sundown. Uh, we returned into the harbor today and pump out 30 gallons of diesel aboard the 52-foot boat and then decide what to do with the vessel uh, currently the gypsy is surrounded by containment boobs absorb booms not boobs booms and absorbent material that has thus prevented the diesel from getting out into the harbor it's not clear how much diesel has leaked out of the vessel additional 200-foot boom is set here to protect the beach They said it is the 55-gallon equivalent to what's happening in the Gulf, but any petroleum discharge is a concern, and we are taking steps to deal with it. The gypsy sunk in the harbor about a half mile from shore in early March for some undetermined reason. It was in about 15 feet of water. Johnson said he's been working with the owner, who officially declined to name, to get the boat out of the water. once they noticed that the diesel sheen in the harbor, the salvage process got kicked in the high gear. The owner is responsible for all costs associated with the leak and recovery of the vessel.
0: Can you imagine the the cost related on something like that? Um, If it's going back to the owner, uh, that means he hasn't written it off as a salvage, uh, signed off on a salvage contract or something like that. Uh, so he 's still on the hook for any damages uh above and beyond just the recovery yeah, I wonder what something like that would cost
2: well and the part of the risk there is the particular place where they're at they have the abalone farms, and uh yeah you know, imagine if you took one or two of those out with some diesel fuel
0: oh yeah the you know the loss of income and livelihoods and things like that that you'd be liable for could you imagine
2: yeah i i i'd i'm thankful. Something like that hasn't happened to me. Okay, the next article is uh, Divers Search for Evidence in a Playa Lake. Not in a Playa Lake, but Playa Lake. Playa? Playa. So I I love all these locations because I'm never quite sure where they are. Uh, uh, Divers under the guidance of the police. Department detectives search for evidence to make a murder case against a, a young Lubbock woman and some suspects. A young, accomplished accomplices, stronger. Uh, Fox thirty fours. Uh, Kenzie Henderson was on the scuba search that cops wouldn't discuss in depth. The homicide. The homicide. The homicide detectives follow the trail potential evidence related to the May twenty third. Murder to a playa lake at Ribble Park and uh, 58th Street and the in the Avenue U. The Lubbock Fire Department dive team members scoured the lake with a metal detector. Two men searched. Two men searched for the shallows along the banks, crawling on their hands and knees around the edge of the lakes, while another swam and dive in deeper waters. More than two hours of combing through the soggy trash and half-buried branches, they recovered something that looked like a cell phone. It's possible whatever they recovered could be used as evidence of ongoing murder investigation. Uh, they, they The detective said they could not go into detail about what was found in the lake. In the meantime, it is still being... Uh, the uh, suspect is still being held at detention center in Albuquerque. So that must be New Mexico. No word on whether she will waive extradition and come back to Texas without waging a legal fight. So, but, uh, you know, scuba divers to the bottom. And I, I we know how much fun that can be uh, searching through that muck trying to find something. Mm-hmm.
0: Looking for something uh, when you don't know what it is is, is pretty fun.
2: Yep. So that's it for the news. We just had a few articles. And then, uh, let's see, it's it's time to talk about some diving. Yeah, yeah. So this last week, we had the Memorial Day weekend, which was three days. And if you happen to be fortunate, as our friend Bob, uh, who was uh, playing a bachelor while his wife was traveling away, that was uh, three days of no excuses not to diving. Uh, for him full speed ahead full speed ahead so we got an early start uh mac myself and bob went out of south haven and we we dove on a new target and let's see if uh Mac's around we'll, we'll go grab him on see if we get him on the come on the show and he can talk about it
0: and i was on the road driving i was waiting for any updates to come across on my blackberry about uh, what happened
2: i just don't talk to you <laughs> okay so uh we we're just getting the dive part I, uh, you, Matt, it sounds like you're only a few seconds uh behind us on the on the feed so uh mac bob and i last friday went out there uh, out of south haven and it was a beautiful evening uh great low waves i mean I, i'd say the waves were less than six inches was just enough chop to where uh, you did get some good bounces as you were going out there in a the Zodiac. But uh, And then we had the, the GPS readings. Uh, Mac had his side-scan sonar, and Bob had his GPS. And we went out there, and uh, relatively quickly, when we got to the site according to Bob's GPS, uh, saw something off the bottom. And then we mowed the lawn for about, Oh it must have only been 15 minutes but it seemed like an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Mac offered me the uh looking at the screen but since I was unexperienced in that I I decided to take the task of holding the the sensor in the water. So Mac when you're when you're looking on that side scan cuz uh, we posted pictures up of that on the bottom what is it that you're actually able to see? Because even looking at that that screenshot that you had, mm-hmm. I can't make heads or tails of it.
1: Well, part of it is an acquired item. It's one of those you have to practice. And that's why uh, it's really neat to go someplace that you've got known targets. You run over it and get a feel for going over them and then interpolating the charts. Okay. Uh, the item that made it a little harder on this one is the background screen. I couldn't change my colors for some reason. But when I finally did change them to green, it showed up. And the pictorial that we put on site uh, really doesn't show you too much because the actual picture of the wreck is there. It's on the left-hand side, two-thirds of the way down.
2: So is that like it looked like a little tiny, like a rectangle, change? Yeah, rectangle to the left. That's okay, the, that's the barge. Because I I thought that was, but it was so minor. It could have just been, like, static.
1: True. But uh, the pattern to the left of it, uh, you notice at the top of it, there's a little green arrow. Mm-hmm. At the time the arrow hit the wreck, that bottom one jumped up almost 20 feet. Okay. So had I saved it right there, you'd have seen it. Then if I'd have saved it again just a few moments later, it would have been in the top portion of the screen on the right, and you would have seen the the sonar blip giving you the height and a perspective on the size of it on the left also.
2: Okay, so like uh, for those who haven't seen a side-scan sonar, it, it's exactly that. It's, it's going from the sensor to the right and to the left, so you don't see directly underneath you. And we were in 128 feet of water, so there was quite a spread, wasn't there?
1: Right, and that's why and you got to remember, what I'm using is a poor man side scan, which is a hummingbird. In real life, that's why you put it on a cable and you're towing it underwater, one, to get rid of the chop, two, you're getting it closer to the target, which gives me a wider spread. Yet the center portion is narrower because I'm closer to the bottom. Ideally, it's 15, 20 feet off the bottom.
2: Yeah, now that would have been nice because it's, I imagine that from that center point, to where you started getting readings that's just the column of water down to 125 feet then
1: correct and that's why the sonar picture to the left will tell me what's directly under me
2: okay yeah because it, it looked like because you, if you compare it where I kind of where I kind of sense that's where that that object was is on the right, right there was it was almost like obviously nothing but on the left you could see that that change
1: right Now, had I also, after we spotted it the first time, what we would have done then is made it either a left or right scan, and that would have doubled my area there to see the pictorial that we want to look at.
2: Okay. So, but it it was good. Nice having Bob's uh, GPS show the bottom, and then yours uh, show that side. Now, what was the, did we ever figure out the reason why you had a different spot? Was it? Did, were the, the numbers off?
1: Yeah. When I enter in my numbers, I was three off. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah I was close, but no cigar.
2: Yeah. Well, we, we found that out in, in one of the other dives we'll talk about in a little bit, how close and no cigar makes a huge difference. So uh, so a- after we, we spotted the wreck, uh, Bob didn't have his dive gear with him. He had his rebreather apart and didn't get a chance to get it all together. So, Mac and I were going to go down. I got my gear together, Mac got his, and we went in the water. And, uh, you know, we both had uh, bailouts because we were going fairly deep and you wanted to make sure you didn't get to the bottom and have something act up. So, I had uh, a full 80 slung along with my my regular 80 on my back. And then you had, uh, what, a 30? And then you're 80 on your back? Correct. Yep. And we went down and, uh, you know, Viz was terrible. I don't, I don't know. What would you say Viz was? Was that like?
1: Viz was not as good as you guys had the next day until I got past 90 feet.
2: So down by 90 feet. So uh, we both came down the line. You had We had a, a little, what, probably 10 feet of line that we were wrapping around the anchor line as we were going down? Correct. Yeah, so you were doing that and then I was watching the gauge closely just to uh check for uh descent and ascent rates. And at about sixty five feet, yeah, you know, I noticed that my reg was breathing a little bit of fun a little bit funny. So I you know, I, I could get about half a breath and then it was almost like somebody had turned off my valve. And uh so you know, I I called the dive at that point, and then started heading up. And I know I headed up quicker than I should have, but you know, as as I'm going up, and I and I remember because I I at first when I couldn't get that air, I'm thinking, am I over breathing my reg? You know, the the water's fairly warm. You know, what was it? Probably about almost 60 degrees at the surface, and even at depth, it was probably in the 50s.
1: Uh, actually, no, it was
2: in the 40s at depth. <laughs> yeah, 40s. No, oh, it's it, warmer than the, uh, than our ice dives. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I was thinking, you know, do I change from my primary to my backup? Do I use the the bailout? But by the time, you know, as we're heading up, you know, I'm probably at about 30 feet. Now it's really getting hard to breathe, which in my mind I'm thinking, you know, this doesn't make any sense whatsoever. That you know, to me, if it was, if you know, some unknown issue with my first stage or second stage, as I come back up, I thought it would get actually easier to be to to breathe, but it didn't. So I I made it to the surface, uh, didn't end up using the bailout, but it was there if I needed it, and then caught my breath. And you know, of course, with an equipment malfunction like that, I'm not going to go back down. But you had a chance to to go down. Back.
1: Right, after we figured that you were fine, then I went ahead and said, well, we're in the water. Let's go down there and validate something's there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I went down about 90 feet. You could start seeing the bottom. But we had such a scope of the line uh, that um, I'm going down, I'm looking around, that I can finally see the strobe that he put on, uh, which is a nice little touch. You saw that, right? How that he has um, a barb he puts through the line 10 feet from the anchor. Then he slid the strobe down so it would catch, so it would be off the bottom. Uh-huh. So I followed that down, got to the strobe, but the strobe is almost in the dirt because that scope of the line based on the current. So now I'm basically at 128 looking straight as opposed to being at ninety feet looking down. hmm So I maybe had twenty feet visibility coming up towards the anchor, since I'm at twenty eight, one hundred and twenty eight on the bottom yeah Uh, our initial item was just to bounce it to make sure there was something there worth coming out to look for got to the strobe light from there i could see the hulk in front of me the anchor was on this side meaning it wasn't grabbing anything so we were away from the wreck but we could see nice rusty hulk sitting up at least 10 to 15 feet looking at it laterally from the floor straight over to it once i made the uh, definition that, yes, there is something worth coming back for, and it is substantial that we ain't, are not going to miss it. And I came out off the line since I was just basically going to do a bounce anyway.
2: Mm-hmm. So, but you, at that point, I mean, we've been told it was a barge and crane, but you couldn't tell much about what it was.
1: Not from my angle. My angle was a, looked like I must have been looking right at the the point of it, uh, because you could see it where it's left and right, but it was not rectangular. It was more looking at it from an angle.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that was where the part was stuck into the mud. All I know is I could see 15 feet of rusted pieces of metal that looked like uh, pure pilings, which is indicative of uh, what an upside-down barge looks like.
2: Okay, so that night, uh, you know, we came back in. So really the purpose of the dive on Friday was just to validate the location for The rest of the club members to come out and do a dive, which was scheduled for Sunday. Correct. Uh, then Saturday, we had uh, three boats go out, and since several of the divers hadn't had a lot of bottom time yet this season, they wanted to do something that was uh, more in a comfortable depth just to uh, break in gear and get the bugs worked out. So it was a revisit to Havana uh, to refloat the buoy and just to do gear checkout. So uh, Jim wasn't able to, to make that, but we had uh, Larry uh, and his yeah. wife. We had Ken and his wife and then Bob. So as with anything early in the season, especially with boats are involved, uh, Ken had a, a little bit of a challenge getting his boat started. He had it started on the ramp before he put it in the water. He put it in the water, idled for a couple of minutes, it stalled, and then he couldn't get it to start again. So that that was my ride out. So Bob came and we switched gear and we went out. So Bob went out and uh Sir Larry went out on their boats. Well uh Ken decided that he was gonna get his his boats started and if he could get it going he'd catch back up with us. So uh it was it was a nice flat day, uh just like Friday. Wasn't wasn't bad at all. And uh we we got out there to the Havana site. Well, what we thought was a Vanna uh, Bob, when we had dove on the Muskegon, had wiped out his GPS to do a reset because it oh, was acting oh. up. Yeah. So he didn't have the GPS coordinates in it. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Larry says, well, no problem. I'll use my Loran. <laughs> uh, yeah, but. <laughs> yeah, but Loran in February was taken off. So Loran C, if you're counting on Loran C to find a wreck, it doesn't work anymore. So what we did is we broke out the cell phones, which had a signal. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Yeah, exactly. So we're like, well, where can we get that from? So we went and we checked out the, uh, and I won't say the website because their GPS coordinates were wrong. (laughs) But we put in their coordinates and dropped anchor. And Bob said okay i'll go i'll go down and just verify the wrecks there and i was thinking he was only going to be down for 5 minutes and come up well 45 minutes later he comes up and all he did was a survey of the sandy bottom he did make one discovery which was he found larry's anchor <laughs> <laughs> so he took his spool tied it onto his anchor and then just did laps around and found nothing but sand well by this time uh Ken had gotten his boat working and got out there, and he had the, the actual club GPS coordinates. And we, when Bob put him into his GPS unit, we were about 200 yards off. Ugh. And 200 yards doesn't sound like much, but Viz was really bad that day. And when we went over where the GPS was, just as Bob was about to throw the anchor over the boat, we could see the the submerged buoy for the Vanna below us.
0: <laughs> Whoops!
2: Yeah. So uh, and that if if you've been on the Mud Club website in the discussion forum, that's what I'm talking about when I say let's get everybody's GPS numbers together, and we'll put it on the Mud Club website, and then that way we can have a quick spot. So if that happens again, we can log in. The list will all be compact right together and we get those numbers and reload Hmm. so all club members or even if you're a non-club member and you got some gps coordinates for wrecks in the great lakes please send them on to me and we'll put this as a resource out there so we have a way of getting them and i don't think that the other website intentionally had them wrong because i i think the precision of some of this gps has gotten a little bit better over the years uh because it was really only a couple digits on the latitude and a couple digits in the longitude that were off, but that was enough for two hundred yards.
0: Yeah, and when you're when you're talking about visibility on a great day of sixty feet, <clears throat> you know, um, that's an awful long way away.
2: Yeah, yeah. And and in the so, chat room, I, I hear I hear somebody piping in saying, "Our numbers are good. All other websites are way off," <laughs> which I, I think we kind of proved that case this last week. Uh, but anyway, we went down. Uh, Bob loaded up a new tank of of air. I mean, he was breathing, and that was the other thing: is he was open circuit. So at least when he was down, we could see where Bob was. It's it's rare for us to dive open circuit with Bob, so no stealth mode this time. So uh, we we went down, uh, came back up the buoy, and there was four or five lines all tangled together. We untangled those. Uh, floated a couple more buoys, so there's now two buoys on the surface. So if you're out there, head to Havana, uh, you can pretty much pick it up right from the surface. And then we had the uh, the county. Marty came out and said hi. He's also a scuba diver on the on the dive team. Uh, now that's a now there's a dive boat. Have you seen that, Jim or Mac? That county boat. Yeah, they they've got the twin outboards. I think they're four four tens on each of them. And that, that Zodiac, it's kind of a, it's aluminum hulled with a Zodiac uh, tube around the outside. You know, probably, yeah,
0: it's like a boat.
2: Pardon me? talking about the Coasties boat? No, this is the county. It's the county, uh, Bering County has one.
0: Yeah, it's like a luma, cha- uh, a luma chamber or, or something like that. It's a, it is a stout-looking rig, I can tell it, you it, that. It I, is. It
2: came from the Homeland Security's money because in, in here in our in part of the Great Lakes, Bering County, we have a major highway that goes through. We have the port there in Saint Joe, and we have two nuclear plants within our radius, both Palisades and Cook. So, what's going on there is that uh, they qualify very easily for the money. So, what's going on there? So, so who's we got somebody with feedback? Okay. So, the, yeah, but that was I, I'd say that boats maybe maybe it's a thirty-footer. Maybe yeah, the, it's not a real big boat. No, it's it, not it, a real big boat. It's got like a little cabin. I mean, it's perfect for what they use, and that thing can scoot. But uh, he came out and saw us. Uh, uh, but you know, it, was, it was a good day. I mean, the Havanas, is, you know, I could say it's nothing to look at now that I've dove on it three or four times. But, uh, you know, it's great to get wet and get some bottom time. And uh, But Viz is bad, and I was looking for those balls, those wrapped balls like we had that one time on there, and I couldn't find them.
0: Oh, I should have grabbed those. I really should have.
2: Well, and it's not to say they weren't there. It's just that Viz was so bad that, you know, I I didn't, you know, it was pretty much we, I had probably a third of a tank by then, and I went down, and I I might have missed that edge of the wreck. Uh, You know, it just didn't stand out like it did before. And then uh, Bob again with his laser light, and it really – is uh, a great light when this is that low it just cuts right through the through the water so -hmm. that so uh, that was uh saturday and then i couldn't get out there for sunday's dive but uh mac uh you and kurt and bob and who who else you had three boats
1: actually uh i was jumping that day (laughs) oh you were there there were four boats and six divers who were on it um And again, that wreck location is about six miles west of the South Haven Piers. If you continued straight out from that, another four, you're gonna run into the Ann Arbor Five, which is what they're gonna be diving Sunday. Yes. So they went over the same readings we had uh, when we're out there Friday, threw the anchor out. This time they put them right in front of the wreck, which was great. A slight breeze, no waves, just really flat. It's 80 degrees on the surface. All the boats anchored close to each other except one. And uh, Kurt and Bob went down first, placed a line on the anchor to use as a reel to create a path to the wreck. Mm-hmm. They got down. They figured the, they said the visibility was excellent, at least 40 feet, if not more. They could make out the bottom as soon as they went to 45-foot depth. Unlike when we were there, I had to get to the 90-foot. They could start seeing the bottom at 45 feet. So they had 80 foot down visibility. Their anchor was right on top of the wreck. Bob's real good at that. The wreck is uh, about 40 feet by 20 feet. And it's an upside down barge. It's not self-propelled, but when it went upside down, it's got a, a little shack on it. That was the control room for the crane. So the wreck is upside down with that jammed into the dirt. So you've got the barge at about a 45 degree angle. Uh huh. So the gantry crane is pointed off at a 30 degree angle from the barge deck and falls part down somewhere in the silt, 20 to 30 feet out. Uh, the entire wreck is covered with zebra mussels. Uh, there's an open hatch on the top side of the barge that can you can get inside or see inside. Um, if you went under it because of the house letting it stay on top. Um, There was nothing there. They said it was uh, empty and the hatch was too small to get through with tanks. No obvious signs of damage or why it sank other than the open hatch. Um, He was talking about the visibility was in that part 60 feet. Water temperature was 41. Didn't see any signs of debris from the wreck, which normally to me tells me Excuse me, that it was accidentally on purpose, maybe sunk. Yeah, because <coughs> you're not going to have your gear on it.
2: Yeah, now, yeah, because yeah, there there would have been something on it.
1: Yeah, and you got a, a very fine silt covering out there. That when you hit the bottom and kick, you just screwed your viz. So you got to have good fin control and stay up.
2: Now. So that so it's upside down, and yes. that shack is kind of supporting the the barge, so that's on the bottom kind of at a forty five right yes, okay, so the so that shack supporting it now is the crane also helping support it
1: it's not, it sounds like it's not it's obviously must have fallen down, and the part of the crane mechanism is the one that goes out to the side, okay, and then disappears until the silt.
2: So this is like when we're going down the river and you see one of those like little working barges that they've got for just doing whatever general maintenance.
1: Yep. Matter of fact, if you're going back around to underside of the bridge, the one off to the right hand side has that. It's not a. It's got that little. You notice uh, the little cab? Excuse me. The cabin or smokehouse, whatever you want to call it. Mm Mm-hmm. Looks like that, but it must have been made of metal because it didn't crush.
2: Okay. But it sounds
1: like it's worth another dive or two, at least, to uh, validate how far out the boom goes. Um, Some people wanted to put an anchor on it. That's great because you can either anchor it around the boom since it's got serrations in it, allowing you to put a a chain through it. Mm -hmm. Bob was saying there's also a couple of places where it looks like there's actual rope, not wire rope, but very like hawser rope. Okay. still situated that you could put a line through that. But it, it looks like you need another dive or two to figure out really what you got. Uh, nobody had cameras with them again. <laughs> uh, maybe next time we'll have some cameras out there yeah
0: <laughs> we uh it would be fun to map it
2: yeah it would be interesting I mean just as a good you know exercise yeah it, I mean, it's, it a, would, it's a good practice well if, if you got
1: sixty foot viz, it would be nice to have a camera too
2: yeah well yeah. i would love I would love a, a video camera that you could kind of go all the way around it and then that way when you're up in the surface trying, you know, because it's not like I've I've done a lot of these. I, I consider myself a fairly decent artist but, you know, when you, it's kind of like that old story where you've got a, a sheet thrown over an elephant and you have eight people all reaching and trying to scribe it and one's got a table leg and one's got a lamp and one's got a power cable. I mean, you can't, you, you know, unless you've got a good, view of the whole entire object uh, everything could be out of proportion
1: well lake 16 is a good example of that yeah (laughs) if you didn't know what it looked like you know from the ice dive it's like whoa i never realized it looked like that
2: no that's that's definitely uh, lake 16 is nothing what i thought it would be like and every time i go it fills in those pictures and it's kind of like how did i not see that before uh we we did have uh Kirk's in the chat room and he's talking about that the batteries on his camera died again. So we'll have to we we'll have to look uh you know what what batteries those use maybe we'll have to pitch in and see if we can get him some or maybe just the case if he's got a camera that just loves to eat them. So that that, that was good. It's uh yeah, it was interesting so it's rumored that we were the first group to dive on this wreck. So that's exciting.
1: Yep. I like that rumor. I'm sticking with
2: it. (laughs) I'm sticking with it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, so that's good. It'd be nice. Uh, is there any, uh, I, I understand there's a few more objects when, uh, they were doing the survey. So I'm wondering if there's any chance that those could leak our way. You never know. Never know. So that, that'd be interesting. So that, so that was, uh, Sunday and then Mac, you went out on Monday and dove again.
1: Well, mine really wasn't a dive. We did some uh, work on Jim's boat. He was adjusting his uh, transmission linkages. Oh, okay. Get the water to do it.
2: Okay. So you did
1: I did get wet, but that was because we had one hell of a storm.
2: Yeah. Well, I I think I recorded the the shortest dive in history on Sunday. I went. I did a river dive. I was at my in-laws' house, and they had a a, a party, and so was I Was I alcohol went, involved? Pardon me.
1: Was alcohol involved?
2: Not until after I got out of the water. So <laughs> I, st- I I was a good boy, and I didn't partake of any while I was going to dive. But I probably should have gotten to get my nerve up because not so much for the dive conditions, but they have this beautiful house that overlooks the lake. And there's steps that go down about 80 feet to the water, <laughs> and the steps are at greater than a 45 degree angle. So uh, I felt the steps for the next two or three days, you know, because I had all my all my weights, my tanks, my BC, everything went down. Uh, I got all geared up. I was in the wetsuit, which is actually it's kind of nice. That uh, you know the water was perfect. In fact, I I had to keep. Uh, ventilating water in to my wetsuit to cool down because uh seven mil is just a little, a little too, too warm for the water. The water had to be in the, in the seventies there in that part of the river. Uh, that was Lake Chapin. Yeah. That, that was Lake Chapin there in, uh, Berien Springs. But I, I got in the water and you know, there's boats been pulling in and out. They've got this barge that's tied to the shore and it makes a floating dock and they have docks that are attached off the barge. And so I I went in there and I was actually surprised how shallow it was there. You know, my daughter's been and myself have jumped off the top of that boat and we figured the water was 12 feet. Well, really, it's about six feet. Wow. Yeah. Uh, At least in that one spot because I dove underneath the pontoon that was there. So uh, with my head touching the bottom, my feet was coming out of the water. (laughs) And there's literally six inches of leaves in the bottom, which I was surprised because being in a river, I would figure that would have all washed away. But I went down and said enough of this, and just took everything off. So, uh, yeah. I, <laughs> what, what
0: what was the purpose of the dive? Was it just sightseeing?
2: It was just I wanted to see it. They they want me to come out. There's uh a, supposedly an antique fishing pole that somebody dropped off the barge earlier in the year and there's uh my brother-in-law wants me to do some underwater construction for him on the barge uh he wants to do some cutting and stuff so i just wanted to get some time in when there wasn't any pressure just to see what the conditions were like and and everything so uh it's going to be a braille dive whenever whenever i do dive there uh you know unless we wait so you know unless we have a very dry summer uh, I don't picture that that clearing up much at all no
0: that's that's what I understand about uh that section pretty murky
2: very murky but it's uh just a i mean it's a great lake for water skiing on and uh I'm hoping that maybe sometime that there might be a spot a time when that clears up because that that property they have there is just amazing that barge there there's plenty of open deck you can put some you know, they you can grill and you know, there's a house on top of the bar, a little hut on top of the barge, where you can get it out of the sun. So it's it's. I'll have to put some pictures up, but uh, it's a great place. But that's those that walk up the steps. That is a killer. <laughs> that's uh, why well, you have
1: the little sherpas guys from the the big mountains to haul your gear up for you.
2: Yeah, I, I need some sherpas. That's for sure. Because that that's what uh, your kids are for. I you know I tried, and they thought, I, I think I did get them to take like something light, but. Uh, I went down in one load, and that wasn't too Ooh. bad. But you want you want to make sure there's nobody below you because if you slip, you're taking some people out. Yes. And then yeah. on, on the way up, I took uh, the dive belt <clears throat> and myself and uh, my bag and regs up in one trip, and then I took the BC and tank up in another trip, and both those trips were – twice as bad coming down so i i'm also thinking that next time they when they want me to do stuff i'm going to say meet me at the boat ramp in town right and then you can shuttle me along river to the barge so i don't have to haul it in and out so that's going to be the other the other thing but it was it was good just to to try out and uh, i logged it as a dive (laughs) (laughs) well that's good jim
1: got an interesting dive in tuesday who did
2: Jim? Yep, Schultz. Yep. What did he dive?
1: He dove up in South Haven on the Friends Goodwill, that mask schooner they have up there. Uh-huh. Uh huh. They wanted to do a hull survey before they pulled it out to do repairs, so they took it out into the lake, uh, and he went aboard overboard and checked out the hull for it. So that was, I would have liked to do that. That sounds pretty pretty yeah.
2: interesting. Yeah, we we, we could have. The...
1: Little schooner out there, you know, replica, and you got to go out and check the keel and all that.
2: Now, I don't know
1: how you'll haul them or not, but uh, could well, have that's,
2: that's what I was wondering is how do they, I mean, that's uh, you know, pretty big drop down to the side. How did he get down
1: there? <laughs> it just it, gravity helps, you just walk off the plank, and it,
2: poof. yeah, walking off the plank, getting pl- back in, <laughs> yeah, so walks like, like a helo
1: insertion,
2: <laughs> yeah. I don't think walking, yeah. Now, now getting in the water, now, how did he get out of the water?
1: I believe they had a, uh, either a dinghy or a side boat, because that's what you'd want when you're in there like that. Yeah. That diet ladder would really have been long. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> or a crane. Yeah. So, well, that's interesting. That That's neat. That, yeah, definitely. I would love to, to take a look at that, because that's not something you get to do every day.
1: Nope. I was hoping somebody would have had a camera so we could have taken some pictures. Um, so we still might see something. Be nice. Yeah. And and, and while we're talking real quick, did you figure out where we're going to be diving Saturday, by the way?
0: Jim? Um, I, had, I'm thinking, I don't know which of the, which of the three access points, um, uh, L and bay is, is always, uh, an easy one. Um, but those other two sites sound good off good. of uh, one, the Waterville East side.
1: Right. The one was where I got that last hutchie that was just sitting on the ground there, that big one. Mm-hmm. Yep. I figured that might be interesting if you want, because it's nice and sandy until you get to the weed line, get to the weed line to the drop off. And, hey, you might get lucky. Yep. Then the other one is over there. Um, I can't even think of the name of it, The Sunset place. That's, a right. nice, that's the one that's got the boat straight off from the pier that's played out and i I don't know what the weed line is there but uh could still be something to look at but personally i would opt for one of the piers because you haven't been there yet yep
0: i think that's a that's a good idea um because josh and i want to get out and we'll have to go pick up some gear uh, out to uh, the dive shop at about nine o'clock and then head out to the lake from there so whoever wants to go is more than welcome
2: um oh, I, I, I desperately want to go, but I won't be able to. Uh.
0: Just the way it works.
2: It's the way it's it works. Way it well works. it it's kind of a busy morning and my wife's scheduled to have my hair cut. Which now, has to which has to be the,
0: the pictures have shown that won't take long. <laughs>
2: <laughs> other than you guys will be underwater at the precise moment. I'm oh. losing those six follicles.
0: Okay. I was going to say, because hair, yeah.
2: Yeah. That's uh, okay. a very, very, very true statement. But, uh, yeah. And know I went, but I'm going to dive. And she then she broke into what are the other things that we were going to be doing. Because uh, we're going to head we have to head down to Chesterton. I have to our, a demolition derby car. So, so that so they're leaving at one. So, but
0: you'll be able to dive Sunday.
2: Well, that's I haven't broken that tour yet. But um, Bob called, and he and Kurt are going out Sunday, and they're going to do the Ann Arbor Five. Is that Ann Arbor Five? That's correct. Yep. I got the right number. So Ann Arbor Five, which is in about ninety feet. So I'm going to have. No, it to, isn't. It's, it's two hundred feet. Well, the bottom's at two hundred. The the wreck is at ninety, isn't it?
1: As long as you can get on the tether to go down, you'll be fine.
2: Okay. So, you know, I, I want to do that. Um, so that that's what my plan is Sunday. And I told him as long as it was in the afternoon, I should be pretty safe for being able to make it. Uh, now, uh, you know, kind of back on the what had plugged my regulator on Friday... You know, where I couldn't breathe, you know, the, the part that we left out was I I like to right. store my tanks. I don't know. I like to store them in the barn. It just happens to be I have a barn. You need a place to store tanks. So that's where the tanks go. And I'm notoriously cheap, and I hadn't forked over the seventy eight for each of the dust caps for the scuba tank. And in some Ooh. point between when the tanks got filled with air and I took them, <laughs> which couldn't have been long, I've, I've got two different valves. I have one tank which has a yoke valve and I have the other tank that has a convertible yoke and DIN valve. Well, the, mm-hmm. the yoke tank, the hole is remarkably small that the air comes out of the tank in. I mean, it's you know, about the width of a pencil lead. The other tank... The the convertible one, it's about, I think it's about 8 millimeters is what that hex size is for that part to come out. Well, what's pretty, so pretty large. Yep. So what's interesting with that is that there's a whole cavity back there. So some flying creature decided, you know what, this is where I'm going to lay my offspring is in Darren's scuba tank. <laughs> <laughs> so... You know, and I and I, I think I do a pretty good job of my checklist of taking the tank, but nowhere in there do I have vent tank to make sure that all larvae have been expelled from the valve. So I was feeling bad after the dive because I'm thinking, you know, what the heck did I screw up? Did I overbreathe? Did I panic? You know, I'm going through my mind. What did I do wrong? And then when we, we got to a place to eat, we decided it was, you know, going to be better to take the you know the expensive parts of the gear off so i took the the first stage off of the yoke and then i noticed that there were things moving and i'm glad that there were mm. legs on it because we don't have to call them maggots <laughs> we can, we can <laughs> call them larvae but there was probably a dozen larvae about a half inch long all packed into uh that that first stage and then on my particular Regulator, it's got this dry valve, which is a complicated mechanism for making sure water doesn't get in, but it doesn't do much for caterpillars <laughs> once once it's it's on there. So I had to completely take apart the uh, my first stage reg and dismantle it and get to the filter to get it cleaned up, and I probably had a good cubic centimeter of just muck you know just like this gritty sandy whatever that whatever laid those eggs had done that got pushed right in that filter so i was able to clear it up and that's what i dove on uh, sunday so i had it all tuned so i learned an awful lot about my reg and i'm not advocating that people uh you know service their own but this this was a pretty safe thing to do from my perspective
1: plus you'll probably
2: blow down your tank before you use it next time oh I, I i used it we i, I well if i actually i didn't use it, Bob used it <laughs> oh <laughs> he knew he knew what it was so uh but you know by that time everything had all had all come on out of it so that's what that's a bob that was a second tank bob dove on sunday i i let him use it and that 's where we dis- that's where i discovered you know i hadn't put it all together i didn't buy it as a convertible tank, but it's nice that it was. Yeah, and then we got the the the, right. the chat room is saying uh, don't get your reg serviced at the dollar general. So but uh, it, it's uh, I I liked being able to get in the reg and seeing how everything worked. So uh, uh, it, it it was a it, it ended up working out. A good learning experience there. I'm uh, going to go out and buy a couple of those dust caps and then I won't have to worry about that again.
0: Um you know, after you you told me this story because I was had a couple hours in the car to digest this ugh, story and, yeah. uh, i'm I'm thinking I don't know if my caps are tight enough for that i'm I'm trying to figure out a way to shrink wrap the valves and, and kind of go overboard on this deal because yeah.
2: uh, well so, somebody well, was
1: tape should do that remember when they just put it around the valve yeah, that's going to well, stop it but will the other the tank before you use it's a good
2: idea, yeah. Well, the, the other thing about it, yes, is, uh, it is is that with these uh, tanks, uh, a lot of times places, when they're empty, they want the dust cap left off. So couldn't the opposite right. happen? Because in this particular case, yes, it, it could. was coming out. If we were filling the tanks up, wouldn't we blow all those larvae right into the cylinder? Yeah. So I'm thinking that the dust cap should be on all... So now I'm trying to... Now, you know, if anybody has any good ideas on this, I'm, I'm open to it. But now I've got to come up with... I have a dust cap, but is there some sort of mechanism tag or something I put on which says, full, excuse me, full or empty? Because I want to have that dust cap on. And, uh, you know, some dive stores actually have tape that they put on when they fill it, but the tape's not there when it's empty. So I don't, right. maybe I'm just overthinking it. But once... I mean, this was... It was literally like when you do your open water training and somebody turns a valve off. That's what it was. And, and I think what was happening is it was just restricting the airflow so much that it couldn't get in as quick as I was breathing, but it was still able to get some air in. So I was basically getting a half a breath.
0: Well, that poor larvae, he was, he was trying to go upstream as you were huffing that thing. Oh, and yeah. And he'd get sucked down into the tube, and then you'd quit breathing, and he could get away for a minute. And then you'd take another breath in, and he'd get sucked in and block up the air for you. Oh, yeah. that's <laughs> That was quite a trip.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I somehow am not God. feeling sorry for the larvae.
0: Hey, there's there's two victims
2: here. Or maybe three or a oh, whole that family. And test breathe it. You know, I actually did test breathe it. I mean, I, I did that. But, you know, I don't know how many breaths. I think what happened... 'Cause I I was even in the water and I I mean I got down to sixty five feet, yeah, you know, it was only a minute to get down, but it was breathing perfectly fine then. So I think what happened as I got deeper and you know, as you, you're under pressure and it takes more air proportionally to come in, I think I just packed everything into that filter and that filter got to be packed. And yep. that's what happened, so yeah, I' just been running through my mind,, hey, how do you fix that? And I didn't go to my backup you know I, I had the 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 uh, the slung tank, but I didn't go to my backup reg, but even if I had it, it wouldn't have been any different because my first stage is common.
0: yeah, it was it, it wasn't an issue between your first and second stages. it was between your tank valve and your yeah. first stage. Well, and so I'm, it was, like you said, the same as having the valve shut off or barely open.
2: Well, and I'm thinking, had I gone from my primary to my backup, and then that hadn't worked. I mean, so you're trying, you know, you're using your breath to purge. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I like to hope that I wouldn't have panicked in that particular case. <clears throat> so, yeah, a lot of good things. And, and it kind of makes you realize that some of the cave divers, where they're having the... You know, all the redundancies, you know, back, you know, because that would have been where a second first stage would be good. And it couldn't just be a first stage Or you got a Y going to two first stages. It'd have to be a, a separate first stage off separate tanks. Right. So. Right. So that that was my lesson for the week. So, you know, school of hard knocks one way, but uh, what's, well, I think what you said in the text when we were texting back and forth, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yeah. So and I know. Yeah, I was enough. getting
0: this. I was getting this story on. Uh, I was somewhere in the middle of Wisconsin late <laughs> at night, getting this in in uh, three and four word snippets, and I'm like, "Oh, you've got to be kidding me!" <laughs> uh,
2: yeah. Oh. So. But. Uh, oh well. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the
0: moral of the story is, I think it's it's uh, purge your. Purge your tank for just a, a split second, Humac. Uh, make sure you push out any debris that might have uh, crawled in there.
2: Now, should we name that maneuver? Would that should that be a uh, a uh, bug purge? Or
0: <laughs> I don't know.
1: <laughs> did we, we think, lose uh, back I here? think you come oh, up with there. some nice acronym. mm
2: mm-hmm. uh, But I, I yeah I did,
0: something for B U G.
2: Yeah, um, I, I I did have pictures of it. Did you see that? Did you see the picture?
0: I didn't see, I saw something. I didn't,
2: Yeah, it wasn't I, I too couldn't clear. identify
0: legs, so I'm calling yeah. it a maggot. <laughs> oh.
2: <laughs> <sighs> yeah, but uh, you saw the legs, Mac, didn't you? Say again? You saw the legs on it. It wasn't. Oh, yeah. After, I thought they were maggots first, and then the second time when you actually
1: pull one out and you sort of stretch them a little bit, that was almost half an inch, if not an inch. You can see all the little legs. It was pretty neat. As long as it wasn't my regulator. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah, it's it's better to be in mine, so uh, okay. Well I'm not planning on. So we're any... just
1: coming up all the names that we could call we're gonna call you the maggot man or, <laughs> or maggot breath. I mean oh! colors it sounds different.
0: Uh, now now did you have a, a a taste? Did you did you get any there was no odor or
2: anything? There was no odor, no smell. You said it tastes like chicken. Come on. <laughs> well, that was after I pulled him out of the reg and ate him. That was retaliation. Oh. Yeah. So. Yeah. Ay ay I I think I was actually more bothered by when I took the reg apart and cleaned it cuz I actually I had I had taken it apart once and cleaned out what I thought, but that valve was bothering me and then when I talked to uh can because I said I I needed his intermediate pressure gauge just to set that, uh, to to reset the pressure, and he was saying, well, did you get that filter? And I'm thinking filter 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 what filter? <laughs> so right. that, that then I went and took it a little bit farther apart, and I'm like, oh, that's the filter.
0: So, yeah, is it is it a little brass
2: filter? On mine, it's not. It looks like if you took like. A bunch of metal slag, and then pressed it into a form, into a cone. That's that filter.
0: But it's a sintered. It's a metallic filter.
2: Yeah, it's a metallic filter.
0: Okay, so it's a sintered type.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, so, mean which is, a, it's a good design to do it that way, because you know, between your rebuilds, just normal dry dust air. I mean, they're they're not planning on you having anything, and then they actually have a. A on a normal reg that doesn't have this dry valve, there's actually a, a fairly coarse screen which should get anything like that, but you know, and I don't know, I I just don't think anybody's really engineered. I mean, I guess that 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 filter there, that cone filter, is designed to keep that stuff out, and it did its job, but it also packed up, and I and I got half a breath. I mean, I got to the surface. Now, I did have that bailout had I have to use it, but. You know, as long as I was still getting half a breath, you know it's kind of like uh uh what you know, so I had had enough air <sighs>
0: I think feverishly
2: yeah so 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 you're doing pop on Saturday, we got uh the ann arbor five on on Sunday, so it sounds pretty good. Did anybody get up the SAS for a Wednesday dive? Do you know
1: not I, did not, I don't know if Richard did or not he normally has been.
2: So if you're listening to the show and you don't belong to a dive club, you need to belong to a dive club because there's, especially this time of year, there's dives going on multiple times a week. You can can find a dive. So, well, uh, before we get going, does anybody have anything else?
1: Uh, The only thing I'd like to make a note of is tomorrow is National Donut Day, so I want to make sure everybody celebrates accordingly.
2: National Donut Day? Really? Is it
1: National Donut Day? It absolutely is. So don't forget chocolate glaze, man.
2: You know, I've been good and I've been staying away from the donuts. But, you know, for National Donut Day, it is my obligation to go and have a donut. So
1: I That's the way I feel about it.
2: Yeah. So I, I, I've been good because I get the coffee and they got the, the big things of donuts right there. And, you know, for six months I have been avoiding it for all the good it's done me. <laughs> I guess the alternative is I could have put on another twenty pounds, but uh, so yeah. But in honor of Donut Day, I'll do it. Oh, the the uh, the, the last we have one last uh, article or, or link, and that's the submarines. Did you get a chance to see that? Yeah,
1: but they're all wet ones. I want this pressurized stuff,
2: man. Oh, you want the pressurized <laughs> ones? So this is from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and and this is historic. When I first saw it, I'm like what the heck are these, but they were, they're trying to match stuff they've seen. So uh, it's a real submarine based on one built in 1894 by Simon Lake. And uh, what he was doing, is looking for investors for a larger product project. So he, he built these subs, which was a, he started small at a one quarter scale model. And uh, like Mac said, they're wet to where you have to pressurize them with air, kind of like we do in scuba. But Uh, you're actually at the pressure of whatever depth you're at. So you're you're limited to how far down you can go. But it's pretty impressive, these contraptions and what's involved, and then to take the time to build them up again. So we'll have links in the show notes. But, uh, you know, I'm impressed by anybody who builds their own submarine. And they're actually going to be uh, launching it here uh, this month. They're going to do a test. So this is the second submarine they built. The first one was called the the Seeker, and they built that one in two thousand three. And this is the Aquanaut Junior that they're just completing it's gonna, is going to is going to they're going to take out this this month.
1: I want to wow. see how the wheels work. Yeah, I don't yeah, think it's going to in the mud. I don't think it's going to be very successful. Well, I
2: I mean, so they that's what I was trying to figure out is is that more for just moving it on land to get it someplace or on top of a boat or I have
1: there. not a clue. It, it looks really, really weird.
2: Yeah, yeah. And well, they have in,
0: in any of the lakes that we're in, um, the wheels certainly are not going to do much. Well, <laughs> so I, I would have to agree. It's for surface transport.
2: Yeah, because it almost looks like uh, an old John Deere tractor. And you got to figure this is before the John Deere tractor actually was even in existence. But it's got like a trike. You know, it's got the two little wheels in the front and two wheels mm-hmm. in the back. Wow. So we'll have links to the websites, and they've they've done a pretty good job documenting the history of it and how it came out, and, and they built it. They've actually got photos of it after, of, of the original one, which is in remarkably good condition. Uh, but you have to take it for the fact that it sat and just rotted for a while, that it really wasn't that successful. Wow. Yep. So...
0: It does show it. it. It shows pictures of it going on the bottom.
2: Oh, is that a picture going on, on the wheels. bottom? Yeah. Oh, oh you're, you're looking at the uh, the computer animation. Yeah. 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 I, yeah, I, I guess it does. The only yeah, thing it I does.
1: Think like that that's got instead of wheels is a tracked is a tank. You know, like on a on a tank tracked. Mm-hmm. I've seen those and they do work, but I've never seen wheels.
0: Uh, well, you know, in in something like uh, um, like what we have out in Lake Michigan, some of the sand further out, I guess you could.
2: Um, yeah, I, I mean, I guess if you're mostly buoyant, you know, because I, I, you know, looking, this is the 1800s. They they didn't have you know the experience that we do. They probably didn't have the control surfaces and propulsion and valves like we do today. And this is fairly experimental. So, you know, they're inventing and that's just their concept of how they thought it would be. So, it's a prototype. So, uh, you know, good good for them. Well, I think it's that time again.
0: Oh, no.
2: Yep. Time for the bad scuba joke scuba of the week. Joke of the week. So, uh, you know, any any last words before we go? You know, hold on. The last requests. Last requests. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it can't be as bad as last week's.
2: I don't know. I think I might have uh I, I might have topped it. Set
0: the bar even lower.
2: Yep. So <laughs> so uh and uh and I'm actually getting pretty good at taking the non scuba jokes and making them scuba jokes. So if I do say so myself, good in a bad sort of way. That's right. Okay. A guy is driving around the backwoods of Tennessee, and he sees a sign in the front yard of a broken-down, shanty-style house, talking dogs for sale. He rings the bell, and the owner appears and tells him the dog is in the backyard. So the guy goes in the backyard, sees a nice-looking Labrador retriever sitting there. You talk, he asks? Yep, says the lab. After the guy recovers from the shock of hearing the dog talk, he says, So what's your story? The lab looks up and says, Well, I discovered that I could talk when I was pretty young. I wanted to help the government, so I told the CIA. And they had me sworn into the toughest branch of the armed services, the United States Marine. You know, the one of their nicknames is the Devil Dogs. In no time at all, he had me jetting around from country to country, sitting in rooms with spies and world leaders. Because no one figured out a dog would be eavesdropping. I was one of their most valuable spies for eight years running. But the jetting around really tired me out. And I knew I wasn't getting any younger, so I decided to settle down. I retired from the Corps. 8 dog years is 56 core years, and signed up for a job in the airport to do some undercover security, wandering near suspicious characters and listening in. I uncovered some incredible dealings and was awarded a bunch of medals. I got married, had a mess of puppies, and now I'm retired. And the guy is just amazed. He goes back in and asks the owner what he wants for the dog, and he goes, $10. And the guy says, $10? This dog is amazing. Why on the earth are you selling him so cheap? And he says, because he's a liar. He never did any of that stuff. He was just a scuba diver. Ooh. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> so I, I think I outdid myself. <laughs> Until next week. Go out and get wet. Oh, and dive safe. <laughs> and dive safe. I'm here. Ah. Uh.
1: Well, I don't think I missed much. You missed the lawsuit one, didn't you?